This is our special edition of Things My Wife Sends Me. In this case, my wife didn't really send me anything. It's more so... Well, we just felt compelled to, to have a little discussion about a certain topic that's uh, dominating the news right now. Yeah, so <laughs> in, in this case, I mean, do we call this episode three or is this special edition? Or I is think it... this is special edition. This is I mean, sp- essentially what happened is, I mean, we've been watching the election, obviously, like probably everybody is um, since the beginning. And I, I mean, we're noticing a lot of people sort of blindly following Trump. Um, so we, we wanted to do a discussion. I mean, this is not necessarily a Trump bashing session, but um, essentially encouraging everybody to kind of wake up a little and look at what's going on. Right. Well, because you've been noticing a lot of different elements of Trump's past that's been concerning you. Well, I mean, not just the past, but the present. I mean, I notice a lot of parallels to other things in history. And I think also a lot of things that people aren't really paying attention to, um, not not like consciously, whatever, but, you know, that um, that would be really worth considering before putting your name to a certain candidate. Right. And and we're even more concerned because Super Tuesday is this Tuesday. Right. And we actually get to vote, even though we're really not sure who we want to vote for, but we know anybody but Trump, essentially, yeah, I mean, right now. Well, what's essentially been happening is, you know, we've been watching it. I, I just keep saying, like, um, things keep, you know, surfacing and changing so rapidly that I just kind of want to um, keep paying attention to it and sort of decide right before um, so this is as if you're sitting here at our dining room table, which we're at our dining room table right now. Leah, what are you working on? I'm making another potholder, okay? It's, it's always a potholder. Well, because we need more. We need more potholders. All right, so fine. So while you work on potholders, we'll go over the topics. Now, normally I have the topics and I don't tell you ahead of time what topics that I've chosen from the news stories that you've sent me. But in this case, you've prepared some topics from what I understand. Well, I mean, I just prepared some some things that I've been thinking about that I don't know if everybody's considered that would be really worth considering, um, consider, especially since I think that, you know, the government in this country is really at a crossroads right now. And the media is not really talking about these things. And if we ignore them, I think we're just going to get ourselves into more trouble. So where where do we begin? Because I have no All right, so I'm, I'm just going to kind of start and we'll, we'll see where this ends up. All right. Um, first off, I mean, I was thinking about how, um, you know, this election is permitting bullying. Um, I mean, obviously every election has some amount of bullying in it, but the fact is that people are generally endorsing a candidate who makes his name for bullying other people. Um And, I mean, my background is in teaching, and I know that, like, schools right now are making it a high priority to stop bullying. I mean, we were both bullied as kids, and, you know, it was really not a a pleasant experience. Um, So, I mean, I'm I'm kind of watching this and seeing that this kind of behavior is, you know, being allowed and accepted and really encouraged. Um, And... You know, I, I notice that that's definitely a discrepancy between the values that we as a country and school systems and everything, you know, looking forward to the future. Um, it, it's it's something that really we want to discourage rather than encourage. So I find it really um, scary, really, that we're all just letting this kind of slip um, while we're trying to encourage the opposite. But playing a little bit devil's advocate, couldn't you technically say that out there in the world, (coughs) essentially they've been bullying the U.S. all this time and that the U.S. needs to stand up and do something in light of terrorists and all those other elements? Well, absolutely. But I mean, that's this is sort of another point I was going to touch on is the issue of diplomacy. Right. So you have leaders around the world who are all not exactly looking favorably at the U.S. in the first place. Right. Um, and then in comes somebody who is calling them names and all this stuff that's really pretty childish. You don't want that in a leader. I mean, it's one thing to have a president who is not um, being strong about issues, but it's another thing to have a president who is actually, um, you know, bullying other governments. And thinking about how we got to this point, essentially, there are a lot of Americans 
that are angry. They're frustrated. Right. So, I mean, that's actually another point that I was going to bring up. You're reading my mind. Um, I, I think we're married. I know we are. Okay. Just talking. Um, I mean, I, I think, like, obviously, I mean, everybody's angry, right? I mean, we're angry. Like, you know, it's it's most of my life um, we've had presidents who have not exactly, you know, pulled their weight, as most people say. I mean, given I would not want to be president, I think that that amount of responsibility has to be extremely stressful, um, you know, especially if you're in it for the right reasons and really trying to do the right thing, which I don't know how many of these people are. Um, but like, you know, but at, but at the same time, so anyway, what I'm trying to say is, you know, people have a lot of anger. They're in tough times. We're all in tough times. Um, and you know, you can be as angry as you want, but the fact is that whoever we elect here is going to be kind of running things on some level or another for the next several years. Um, and we have to kind of put aside our feelings for, you know, the greater good, you know, in other words, like, is this somebody who's actually going to be able to lead or is this somebody who's just going to be sort of yelling through everything? And what makes it even more confusing, seeing an endorsement from Chris Christie of Trump. Yeah, that really confused me too. It came completely (laughs) out of left field. I'm not sure what type of angle he's going for there. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt that with a lot of these sort of endorsements, that they're really out of the blue. I mean, again, I think a lot of people right now are just reacting based on emotion and the entertainment value. But you really have to consider, I mean, this is going to go down in history. This is something that we're going to have to deal with moving forward, you know, and whatever we choose now is going to affect history, You know, this isn't just like, you know, well, this person's entertaining. You know, I want to hear them talk more. Um, I mean, it's really an issue of, is this person actually going to be able to handle things that come across their desk? Now, those that are uh, Trump supporters that I've spoken to have mentioned that there's nothing to worry about. And I've even heard one person mention to me, that the only reason why he's not giving the hows of how he's going to accomplish any of these tasks is because (laughs) he's essentially a closet Democrat and that he doesn't want to be stuck saying something on the campaign trail that he then has to do as president. Yeah, and I, I mean, that may be, you know, strategically smart for somebody, but at the same time, if you're running an honest campaign, which he claims he is, you wouldn't be hiding things like that. You know, um, and I think that really, I mean, this reminds me a lot of things that have happened in history, you know, like the Holocaust. I know everybody's always like, you know, well, don't compare people to Hitler or whatever. But I mean, I studied the Holocaust a lot in high school. You know, I went to Poland. I saw camps. I mean, this stuff is real stuff. Um, And really, there actually are a lot of parallels between what I've been watching now with this campaign and what happened, you know, in the beginning of the Holocaust as far as, you know, when Hitler came along. Um, I'm not saying that Trump is about to, you know, cause a mass genocide, but um, I think that the, um, you know, the habit of not really producing very many details, sort of rallying the people at a time when everybody is stressed out and, you know, really not doing so well and just, you know, feeding all based on anger, um, it's very, very similar. And I think that, I mean, I'm looking at it from a Jewish perspective, but when I see you know, Trump saying things about Muslims, it's like, well, you know, whether you like Muslims or don't like Muslims, I mean, it sets a really bad precedent, you know, like if if one group can be hated, you know, that sets a precedent that any group can be hated. It's Uh, not appropriate. Essentially, I mean, those trying to compare Trump to Hitler for the reasons that they are or are not, one thing they're saying, oh, the Jews have nothing to worry about because technically his daughter converted to Judaism, married someone Jewish, is raising kids Jewish, et cetera, et cetera. And he wouldn't do anything to the to the Jewish people. But they seem to be missing an overall point. Which is? Which is that even <laughs> though, yes, Ivanka is now practicing Judaism, et cetera, et cetera, the idea of being intolerant to one group, even if it's a group that may or may not deserve said warning or, or uh, threat. threat 
essentially, you always have to be the bigger man and find a way of making it that you don't punish everybody, but you just concentrate on going after those that misbehave. So instead of going after the group, go after the individual. Right. I mean, I I think that's definitely true. And I mean, kind of like I said before, I mean, you also have the issue of setting a precedent. So let's say Trump's like, you know, he he wants to go against all Muslims, if that's what he's saying. You know, that may be his perspective. He might not do anything about it. You know, a president can only do so much, although I think that presidents, you know, as set by the precedent of the current president, um, are trying to have more and more control of more, and, you know, they might feel entitled to have more control of more. Um, you know, moving forward, the next guy could be like, well, you know, I hate all, like, you know, Chinese, right? You know, they can pick any group. And if somebody establishes, you know, hatred in a large group of people like this, um, you know, then then that can just carry on to the next person. I mean, I think that, like, each president that I've observed in my lifetime has really led to the next one because one says, well, this person behaved that way, I'm going to be the opposite, you know, or, you know, this person behaved that way, now I can do that. So, and that's kind of scary. It's just going to be a never-ending cycle. Right. So it could be a case, let's say Trump is not as bad as everyone imagines. The idea, though, that he was able (laughs) to get away with most of the statements that he's done now allows the next potential candidate to go a step further right down the sticky path that we're in right now right and you know if, if people kind of become susceptible susceptible to that you know to absorbing those kinds of thoughts i mean that's only going to fuel the problems i mean i think that when you have a president you know a president is supposed to be a leader right so when they set you know whatever mood in the country um, people kind of go along with it. And I, I think that's something that the United States really does not need more of is hatred against other people. Essentially, though, there are Democrats that are mentioning that if Trump gets in, it's going to make it much easier for Hillary to beat him. Right. But I mean, in my opinion, it's just not a risk to take. I mean, you have to realize whoever you sign your name to, you're signing your name to. You know, you can't undo that. You can't like down the line be like, oh, well, you know, it didn't work. I'm just going to switch my mind. I mean, this is something, you know, this is your, your time to speak. Um, and if it doesn't go the way you want, I mean, it's kind of too late. And, and what a lot of Democrats aren't necessarily realizing when it comes to Hillary versus Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. really the primary that should be concentrated on is the Republican one. So even if you're not necessarily a Republican, the idea that you can... what What's going on, honey? I'm just... I'm sorry. I'm looking at muffins. Oh, um, keep talking. okay. She's looking at uh, muffins, if you if you couldn't hear. We're working on some muffins right now. They smell really good. Okay. Just keep talking. And I'm, I'm talking. I'm just letting everybody know that right now we are getting the muffins out of the oven. Great. People, people need to know this information. Okay. This is This is just... Like being in our kitchen. We're live. Okay. We're, we're in the kitchen. You keep talking. Did you lose your train of thought? Of course I lost my train of thought oh. because I smelled beautiful muffins coming out of the oven. But I probably shouldn't lose my train of thought when it comes to talking about Trump. Anyway, what I was saying is if the Democrats recognize that they can actually vote in the Republican primary and then immediately become a Democrat again... That's going to help solve this Trump issue if you consider Trump an issue. Because at the end of the day, if there isn't a strong vocal voice of we are against bigotry, violence, for goodness sake, Trump even mentioned that if he killed somebody, no one would care. He would get away with it. Right. And I think that the fact that, I mean, none of his statements have raised red flags in people is just like, wow. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I listen to the news every day, right? You know, and I hear them, you know, they're always talking about Trump and they're, you know, they're sort of glorifying it. I don't really hear any like, whoa, this is a problem. 
Well, well, there was a Jewish group, if I remember correctly. It used to be in the Jewish paper. They were endorsing Trump. They were saying, we love Trump, vote Trump, etc., etc. But then in a letter to the editor of the Jewish press, essentially one of the organizers admitted that they were completely wrong. Right, and that they wanted to change their mind. Like they, In other words, they realized recently that there was something fishy going on. Right. And as a result, they completely ended all of their support and money donations towards Trump. Right. Which they were collecting. Right. Even though Trump says that he does everything on his own. Right. Which is impossible in an election cycle because... Anyone technically could come up with a super PAC and back a candidate. Right. If they wanted to. Mm-hmm. As far as I know. I mean, we're not in politics, so we don't know the exact rules, but that's my basic sense that I get from this. Yeah. Something else that's interesting, just on a side note, that I, I was reading this morning a forum, you know, from a sort of Jewish newspaper online, um, and people were talking about, like, you know, how they were afraid of what the present was, the future present was going to do, and maybe they should get their passports checked and all this stuff. Um, and I was kind of like, wow, I mean, people are really paying attention. And then I looked, and it said it was dated seven years ago, um, which is really interesting because that means that they were thinking that way before Obama got elected. Um, and he got elected, and now everybody is, you know, saying that Obama did a terrible job and they want somebody new. So, you know, I just kind of see the same thing happening. Once again, a slippery slope. Right. Well, that's kind of scary thinking about that because I've been wondering myself, do we need to just look to make sure that we have passports at the ready as it gets closer to this election so that whatever happens, we're ready to go to wherever we need to go? Yeah, I mean, it's scary because, like, you know, especially if you have somebody who's who's running for office who's really not giving details, you know, you can't let that slip. I mean, what are they hiding? You know what I mean? Like, like if they're not saying exactly how they're going to handle certain situations. I mean, you can't expect anybody to say exactly how they're going to handle certain situations because really until you're in the job, you don't know. But, you know, to not even have a solid plan, to just be saying sort of generalizations all the time... Um, I think that that hides a lot, and that's really scary. You know, you don't know what they're planning and not telling you. And then once they're in office, it's too late. Right. Because even if you're going to try to impeach her or whatever the case is, I mean, that's a process that can't happen overnight. Right. But then again, we never (coughs) know what's going to happen Mm -hmm. in the world when it comes to anything. Right. Because there was one point in the Republican debate essentially ben carson was at the top of the game Mm -hmm. and then paris happened right and that was the end of his campaign right well i mean i think that that just struck another you know chord of fear in people and you know wanting a strong leader and stuff but you know you also really have to ask yourself what is a strong leader you know i don't see a strong leader as somebody who goes around and bullies people i mean just think about this is another point i was going to make like you know, imagine people in your, you know, your work environment, right? Or in your classroom, you know, depending how old you are or whatever, you know, or, or even your teachers, you know, if you have somebody who's bullying you, um, that's going to have a serious impact on you. And, you know, it's going to probably make you less productive. It's going to make you angry again. You know, who knows what they're going to do? Who knows what long-term effects they're going to have on you? I mean, I've witnessed this, you know, in classrooms as a teacher, um, I've witnessed this in school myself. Um, so it's like, what am I trying to say? It, essentially, you know, a present or a future present is a human being, right? It, they're, they're not, you know, somebody, they're not a celebrity. They're not somebody on a pedestal. They are a human being. Um, and, you know, when you elect them, you are, you are putting somebody sort of in charge of you, but not really, you know, obviously they're managing the country, Um you know, you, they should be a person that, you know, you'd be comfortable with more or less. You know, you don't want to be electing somebody who you would feel really uncomfortable, you know, working with long term. Just imagine if you were like in a job and you had, you know, a horrible coworker who was constantly 
talking behind your back and trying to ruin you and everything, you know, would you want to be working with them for months on end? Probably not. But technically, Obama, <coughs> during his presidency, managed to find every opportunity to get on TV that he possibly could. Right. To go on to the late shows, to get on YouTube, to be part of all of these various social media exchanges. Mm-hmm. Essentially, was he going with the time or ruining the presidency? Well, I mean, I think to some extent he was going with the time because that's just what people pay attention to now. Um, but, you know, I th- I'm sure some of that was kind of his personality um, on one level or another. I mean, I don't know him. I, what can I say? Um, but it's kind of like I was saying before, it kind of set a strange precedent for, you know, future candidates, you know, where now, like you see in an election, everybody's going on these, you know, talk shows and late night shows and stuff. And I mean, I don't remember anything like that from the past. I mean, Trump got an entire Mm -hmm. episode of Saturday Night Live. Right. Where he was in all kinds of sketches. And we saw that one, right? We did. And, and I, I mean, I was kind of like, I, I wasn't really very amused by it. I was kind of, uh, you know, it, I, it, it surprised me afterwards that people continue to admire him, to put it that way. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, you also had Bernie Sanders that appeared on Saturday Night Live. Hillary's appeared on Saturday right. Night Live. They've all, all these done people it. have. All these people have. I mean, you know, but it's... I don't know. It's just interesting, um, you know, the personalities that they sort of try to depict on these things. But, you know, but, you know, it's, it's again, it's a, a, a question of, you know, that you are electing a leader. You're not electing a TV star. You know, you're not really electing your best friend. You're electing somebody who you know can do the job. Right? You're hiring staff for your business. You know, are you going to hire the person who's on Facebook or Twitter all night, you know, tweeting about, um, other coworkers and other businesses and, you know, your business or whatever, or are you going to hire the person who can really do the job? Yeah. You know, I, th- I think these are just really important questions that people really need to think about because I-, I just look around and I feel like everybody's sleeping, and that's really scary. People are passionate, though, when they are at a Trump rally. Oh, absolutely. But I think that a lot of that comes because of the electricity that's created, you know, merchandise that's passed out or whatever the situation is. But again, you know, when you're electing a president, you're electing a president. You're not electing somebody who can, you know, give you goodie bags and stuff. He's essentially on tour. Right. But not on tour as a president, on tour as an entertainer-in-chief. Right. And, you know, maybe people want that on some level, but again, you know, once that person is in the Oval Office, you know, trying to do their job as president, it's not about entertaining anymore. It's about dealing with other countries, you know, you can't just be like, oh, you know, you're a bad country, you know, I'm not going to listen to you. I mean, the world does not work that way. Even the idea that Trump has embraced the idea that low IQ members of society or those without any college degree or low education standards, et cetera, et cetera, are voting for him. What's interesting, more and more academics are showing up with their diplomas and whatever type of degrees they have, et cetera, et cetera, and showing it to the press and saying, I'm not as dumb as you think I am. What, what are you trying to say? Well, there have <clears throat> been those that are trying to showcase that Trump supporters aren't necessarily uneducated members of society. Right. I mean, and that's fine. Like, I'm not saying that everybody who's a Trump supporter is uneducated. I'm saying, though, that, you know, I think that a lot of people are kind of sleeping right now. In other words, I'm seeing history repeat itself. You know, I'm not saying this based on things I've read online. I'm saying this based on my own observations It was kind of more so a case of like, you know, wow, that looks like X, Y, Z. Let me go read online and see if other people think the same thing. Wow, people actually do think the same thing. This is kind of scary, you know? But but what's strange, whenever Trump is on that debate stage, essentially you say anything he doesn't like, he goes with the shh or the uh, shut up or whatever he needs to say. Right, but that's not, you know, it's not freedom of speech. Right? I mean, we're, we're in a country where you are supposed to be able to voice your opinion on one level or another. 
So doesn't Trump have the right to voice his opinion? Of course he does. But if there are other people who show up at those rallies to voice their opinions, you know, for them to be kicked out, you know, that's not allowing freedom of speech. I mean, that makes me think of other governments. Right, because anybody that says or shows anything that Trump does not like, he kicks them right out the door. Right. So, you know, I have to ask, like, is that, you know, the kind of the kind of precedent that you want to be set? Like, do you want somebody to go ahead and say, well, you know, I mean, I actually read, I think I sent you an article about this today, that he was essentially saying, you know, if he found a newspaper and he didn't agree with what they're, they're writing, you know, that he would, like, sue them or something. Right. right. He was mentioning that once he becomes president, all newspapers or anybody that spreads quote-unquote lies are going to get sued because he'll create some type of order that will allow it to happen under the rules of libel. Right. I mean, that really sounds like a dictatorship. And, I mean, it's it's kind of like I was saying, you know, fine, he might, you know, say that, that that's the case, that, you know, he's going to keep track of newspapers. Well, what's the next guy going to say? Right? You know, I'm going to tap your phones. Or, you know, the next guy's going to, you know, have Big Brother going on here. I mean, it's scary stuff. It's just not the way this country is supposed to work. Right. And I, it might sound all good now, but, you know, again, we're going to be four years down the line looking back on this. You know, will you be proud of the way you voted? You know. Trump right now has 82 delegates, Ted Cruz 17 delegates, Rubio 16 delegates. They need to get 1,237 delegates to actually win the nomination. Moving on down, uh, John, I can't even pronounce his name, Kasich? Kasich, yeah. Kasich. Six delegates. Jeb, even though he's out, has four delegates. And Ben Carson has four as well. Even Carly has one. Mike Huckabee has one. And Ron Paul has one. Yeah. So that's the map right now of delegates. Right. Well, I mean, I think it's the classic case of, you know, people don't want, you know, the career politicians right now, as I keep saying. But, you know, again, you have to ask yourself, what's the lesser of two evils? Is it... You know, worse to have somebody who, you know, maybe takes longer to get things done in the government or, you know, whatever the case is, but more or less runs things relatively smoothly or somebody who, you know, potentially plunges you into, you know, even more wars than we're already in. Now, according to Bing.com, they've already announced who they predict is going to win the various states. So for Alaska, Alabama, Arkansas, uh, Georgia, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Oklahoma, Tennessee, uh, Vermont, and Virginia, Donald Trump is predicted winner. Right. Well, I mean, in my opinion, the problem with these polls is that, you know, it, it, it takes into account a cross-section of the population, right? So... But you also have to consider, you know, who's picking up the phone, right? So, you know, let's say, let's say you're a person who's working 24-7. You're never near the phone. They always miss you, okay? Your voice is not counted. So that rules out that section of the population, um, you know, and, and anybody else in similar positions. So, you know, I find it, you know, kind of misleading, really, when they do these polls um, and you know that some segment of the population is not being accounted for, um, and people are kind of swayed by these polls because, oh, you know, most of the population is liking Donald Trump right now. I guess I'll just go with them because they must know what they're doing. Now, there is an exception. According to their prediction, Texas, mm-hmm. Ted Cruz. Yeah. I can see that. And they're saying Ted Cruz is going to get 40.7% of the state mm-hmm. state's vote. Yeah. While... Trump is getting around 50% on all these other states as Mm -hmm. of right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so looking at our state, Massachusetts, we're looking at 44.5% predicted share of the vote Mm -hmm. to Trump. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you also have to consider, like I was saying, you know, what segment of these, you know, these states are people who are working 24-7, which I assume is you know, a good chunk of the population these days because people are having to work three or four jobs just to keep afloat. 
Um, you know, and those people, you know, I can say from my own experience, um, you know, it's, it's very hard to get in touch with those people. It's very hard to hear from them and, you know, it's hard for them to really keep track of what's going on. I mean, I remember in the last election, you know, I was working like several jobs and, you know, I didn't even have time or mental energy to consider who I was going to vote for until like the night before. You know, I didn't have access to real technology. I couldn't barely even, you know, read what was going on because I was so busy. You know, even if I if I had like an issue with like a package that got sent to me or something, you know, and they delivered it or tried to deliver it at the wrong time and I wasn't home, it would get sent back and I'd have to like, you know, wrestle with the system to get it to be sent back to me. You know, so I'm sure that there is some chunk of the population right now that is busy like that and that, you know, can't really be accounted for in these polls. I mean, 595 delegates are are now essentially in play mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Yeah. It's a lot of delegates. Yeah. And the question is, will Trump get beyond 400 delegates? Mm-hmm. He could actually be appointed by the end of the primary season, by June, yeah. according to Fortune. It's very scary. You know, something else I, I should mention, just you know, for anybody who's listening, um, if you want to learn more about Donald Trump, there's an article. You remember I sent to you or I showed you a few a few weeks ago from Vanity Fair? Right. Um, it was published, I guess, in the early 90s, um, but it talks about his past and, you know, kind of how he was back then. Um, and I just thought it was really interesting reading it. It's pretty long. You know, make sure you have some time set aside before you read it. But, um, you know, it, it really addresses some things that have not been addressed in this election. Um, you know, that really, I think, proves... Um, the illegitimacy of some things he's said. But I definitely recommend taking a look at that because I think, you know, to some extent it'll fill in some of the gaps of what is not being mentioned right now. Right. It's just really tough to predict where this country is going. Right. It's just... And I think it is at any time. I mean, right now, like, people are frustrated. Yeah. You know, after the way the economy has been and everything. But, you know, really that's no excuse for, um, you know, not making a rational decision. I'm not saying that everybody who's voting for Trump is irrational. I'm saying, like, you know, seriously consider all sides of the situation um, and don't just be swayed by the glamour. Is there glamour here? No, there's not. But, you know, when I'm, what I'm saying is, like, you have a celebrity, right? There are some people who recognize a celebrity more than they would recognize some random senator or governor or whatever from some state, right? Because they've heard the name over and over again. That doesn't Just because they recognize the name, though, doesn't make that person a good person. But essentially, even with this Massachusetts primary that's taking place, we keep getting letters in the mail from this person that wants to be, what is it, committee person? Something like that. Right. I don't even remember the name, but I just know it's been aggravating me seeing all these letters telling me vote for this person when there isn't even adequate information of why I should. Right. Well, I mean, I think that campaigns have worked that way for a long time. You know, I mean, that's that's nothing really new, but I think what is new right now is the world situation. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that really at any time in history... Um, you know, barring world wars, I guess, you know, we, we've kind of been as at risk as we are these days. Yeah. Um, and, you know, these decisions that the country makes, you know, carry much heavier weight than they would at other times in history. You know, it's one thing if it's like, well, you know, the economy needs some help, right? Well, the economy does need some help. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you have national security, you know, regularly being violated, I mean, there are shootings like every week, you know, you can't just like pick somebody because you recognize their name. Like, we're, we're at really a different point now where you need to pick somebody who can solve those problems. And not just because they say they can, but because they actually have, you know, at least some brains to handle it. No, exactly. I'm just taking... Uh, yeah, no, you go keep ahead. talking. All right, you get some water. I'll, I'll keep talking. No, it's just interesting. Just looking at all the various news sites that are out there, 
people are trying to make these predictions way before anybody actually votes. Oh, I've been noticing that. That's been driving me nuts because it's like here, say it again because I no, don't know it's if okay. No, I, I've been I've been noticing that and it's driving me crazy because it's like. You know, I see these these numbers coming out, and it's like, hold on, that's not how I was going to vote. Why are they saying that? You know, not that, you know, I'm everybody, but, like, you know, when I see these predictions happening ahead of time, it's almost as though the media and the Internet are controlling what happens, you know, with the candidates. Um, and that's scary. Like, for, for example, there's news reports all over, going back to Ben Carson again, He's being, quote-unquote, offered money to drop out of the race, according to the Dallas Morning News. Mm-hmm. And he pretty much is saying, uh, I don't have the w- word for word, I can look it up, but essentially saying something to the effect of, why are you offering me money? You obviously don't understand why I'm in this race to begin with. Right. You know, and I mean, I think that, from what I've observed of him, he's probably in it for more honest reasons than, you know, the other people. You know, I don't see people very often anymore who really just want to make things better um, without having their name pasted on everything. It's it's interesting. He says, I've got unanswered calls on my phone right now. Oh, if you did this or did this and did this or if you drop out and support this guy, we'll give you all this money and we'll make sure you're a senator here. And he pretty much said this is about saving our nation this is not about horse trading and making a deal and then Carson told a reporter afterward that he wasn't going to say who called him but his reaction is the people can go jump in a lake yeah yeah well I mean good for him for standing up for what he actually believes in yeah I, I... I mean I've been impressed by that you know watching throughout this election um and I mean, I, I find it really disturbing in a way that, you know, when you listen to media coverage of what's going on, they regularly ignore him. I yeah. mean, they'll mention every single candidate, even the guys who are, you know, getting a really low percentage of votes, but they won't mention him, you know, which is sad. I mean, whether, you know, whether he has it in him to win or not, you know, he is a candidate just as much as everybody else is. It's Obama in reverse. Because essentially when Obama was running, all they could mention is black president. Let's vote the black president in. This is going to be historic. Right. But, you know, I think this, you know, this feeds back into like with each election. I mean, there are different issues brought up. I mean, with that election, it was an issue of accepting, you know, people of different races and nationalities. Now it's just like, you know, and hatred, really. I Uh, mean, I think that in the last eight years, like incidents, you know, dealing with racial sensitivities have, you know, skyrocketed. You know, I can only wonder if you have somebody in office, you know, who is sort of preaching the opposite, um, you know, and just encouraging hate everywhere, you know, what's that going to lead to? When it comes to the Dallas News, I have some more quotes from Carson. We're just trying to entertain people. It reminds me so much of ancient Rome. Everyone wants to go to the Colosseum and somebody stabs someone with a sword and then they go, yeah. I, I can see that as well, actually. Uh, this is great. And a tiger tears somebody's head off and they go, ah, this is wonderful. And nobody pays attention to the crumbling society around them. Right. I mean, I, I studied like, you know, ancient Rome and everything in high school. Like I was really into understanding that culture and... I mean, as far as the Coliseum was concerned, it was very, very gory. It was really gory, and everybody went there for entertainment. I mean, this is very similar to that, and, I mean, that's kind of scary. Surprising. 300 supporters turned out to listen to Carson. Only about 200 were actually allowed to fit inside the ballroom at the Westin Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. Though Carson addressed the overflow crowd before his speech, the showing was dwarfed by Trump and Rubio's crowd at events Friday at Fort Worth and Dallas, respectively. hmm Yeah. But Carson's still believing that he'll exceed expectations in Texas. I mean, I think it's entirely possible. I just think that, you know, again, the media has not helped him. You know, or they've really fed into other candidates and completely ignored him. I don't know if that has to do with, you know, them being paid off or whatever, 
you know, I don't know very much about the media industry, um, but it's really very saddening. Yeah. It's so strange because if it was any other election without Trump, Carson would be the person. Or it could have been one of these governors. Right. Well, I mean, I think people would be looking at it with, you know, a different set of eyes. You know, they would be looking at who is really most qualified. I think right now everybody's kind of wearing the rose-colored glasses and looking at it as, you know, who can be most entertaining, who seems toughest. But it's like I was saying at the beginning of this discussion, I mean, that's not everything. Like, you don't want to encourage more bullying. I mean, look at it this way. Like, in the past, you know, you'd ask a kid what they wanted to be when they grew up, right? And they'd be like, I want to be president. (laughs) You know, what's it going to be now? If you have a president who, you know, endorses and encourages and, you know, displays bullying, um, you know, what's that going to set, what example is that going to set for kids moving forward? And people in general, really. I mean, I've, I've witnessed work environments grow increasingly, um, like, tense and, you know, just more and more drama, more treating people as though they're recyclable. Um, you know, so what happens if you have a commander-in-chief who's doing that to everybody as well? I mean, that sets a really, you know, not-so-positive example. Mm. I mean, that that's something, I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but I was reading TV Guide. What they're mentioning is fascinating, that essentially these cable companies are losing a lot of money, along with the networks. But what they're utilizing is that whenever Trump happens to be on stage at some type of an event, they cut right to that event. I've noticed that, too. Yeah, if Carson is speaking, if Cruz is speaking, if any of these other candidates are speaking, they will give you a glimmer. But TV Guide related that whenever Trump is being shown, all of a sudden they get more viewers, which means more advertising dollars than they would have otherwise. Right. And I mean, it's it's really sad for, you know, decisions being, you know, to be to be made that way, you know, like, you know, based on what the media's needs are and, you know, what they want to do for their own personal benefit. I mean, it really shouldn't be that way. Exactly. And there's one thing that even uh, Carson brought up is that for some reason, a lot of times when he's being shown, they always like to cut to pictures or video of him playing pool. Mm-hmm. Right, as though they're trying to ridicule him. I, I mean, is it kind of a ridicule it's, method it's, by uh, showing him playing pool? Yes, I mean, I, I think that you know, obviously he has to have some strategy to be able to play pool well. Um, but, you know, sort of only depicting him as, you know, fooling around, you know, with a pool table, you know, probably doesn't make people think very highly of him. But then again, they're not showing what any of these other candidates are doing. They don't show what Trump is doing in his free time, you know? Yeah. I mean, it it, it is quite quite different because I mean even one of these articles that's that's out there is essentially uh from CBS News Ben Carson shoots pool with CBSN mm-hmm. and it says February 14 2016 to 17 p.m after last night's GOP debate South Carolina Republican presidential candidate Ben Carson joined CBSN political contributor Leslie Sanchez by a pool table and decided to talk over a quick game. Mm-hmm. Really? I have something else, by the way, on my, on my list, um, you know, stemming from kind of what, what these candidates are doing in their free time, um, is something that I observed, you know, and that, that the last election, the last two elections, you know, everybody was concerned with, is this person from the people, right? You know, is this person, like, a lay person, you know, not a politician, um, you know, have they been in my shoes? Um, and I think with this election, you know, people are still saying the same thing, but they have begun to believe that a person has been in their shoes because they say they've been in their shoes. Um, I mean, you look at a person like Trump, he has clearly not been in most people's shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, he has been wealthy pretty much his entire life. 
you know, that's much different from having to work from the ground up, you know, not having any inheritances thrown at you or anything or, you know, any special privileges. Um, So it kind of boggles my mind that people look at that and say, wow, this person understands what position I've been in. Because that person clearly does not. I mean, it's impossible. I mean, just, you know, your background, even from when you're a little kid, affects you moving forward. It's not, it's not like it just, you know, disappears and, oh, you can empathize. I mean, of course you can empathize, and empathy is great. But, you know, the reality is actual experience is actual experience. I, I have another example. Before I talked about CBS, mm-hmm. I have ABC News. Mm-hmm. This case, they didn't talk about pool. They talked about skee-ball. They yeah. had their reporter challenge Ben Carson to a ski ball match. Mm-hmm. So they have video of it. And, and I'm just going to read this to you so you can get a better understanding of what's happening media-wise. Mm-hmm. And this is from January 11th, 2016. It states, It's a busy day for Republican presidential candidate Ben Carson in the first of the nation caucus state of Iowa, but he managed to take some time out of his busy day to play a game of ski ball. Carson, whose routine to shoot a game of pool before GOP debate, decided to accept the ski ball challenge after a morning town hall at Fort Frenzy at an arcade in Fort Dodge, Iowa. Carson predicted he would lose the game, won by a landslide with a score of 31,000 to my 18,000. I like it. This is good, Carson said as he was winning the game. This is getting me fired up for the rest of the day. His trick to win the follow-through. I like this game, Carson said, after sinking both a 5,000 and a 4,000 point shot. I'll tell you the key. Follow through, follow through. Carson, who's pulling in fourth place and at 7% in Iowa, according to the Quinnipiac poll, I can't, Q-U. Yeah, you got it, Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac poll, good enough. (laughs) Released today, we'll make three more campaign stops today in the state. The strategy is very much what we're doing here today. Carson 64 said of his strategy for trying to win the February 1st Iowa caucus, getting out in front of the people, letting them hear you, and you know what it's all about is getting to know the candidates. Mm-hmm. Once again, nothing about his policies. Right. Only about the ski ball. And he does have policies, like, you know, as in contradiction to Trump. But if I never saw him in, let's say, a town hall mm-hmm. without the other candidates, which we've seen, I would think he's a moron. Right. Because, you know, nobody is showing that in the media. And I've heard plenty of people say he's a moron. Right. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But then again, he did get caught off guard with Paris. Well, I think everybody did. But, you know, again, that's a question of how, how you depict the situation. I mean, in my opinion, with the whole Paris thing... Um, I mean, I disagree, really, with everybody saying, oh, he's not strong enough to handle that. You know, in that situation, you know, in, in any of these situations, the president's going to be surprised, right? That's the reality of it. It happened to Bush. Absolutely. I mean, it would happen to anybody. I mean, you start a new job, and the first day, you know, something crazy happens. Well, yeah, you are going to be surprised. The question is, are you able to handle, you know, that sudden, like, change in plans? Um and I don't think any president is perfectly equipped to handle that. The question is, what's their response? Is their response going to be, you know, to press the button? Or is their response going to be like, well, let's figure out how to best solve this? Trump would push the button. Right. Whereas somebody like Carson or probably the other candidates would be like, okay, let's talk this out and figure it out. Yeah. You know, and it, it's just, it's not really a way to run the country, um, you know, just responding in anger, you know, immediately to everything. I mean, of course, the country should be strong. Um, you know, you can't like just sit back and ignore what's going on, but you know, you have to make calculated decisions because, you know, all these politics are not so simple as that country loves us or hates us, you know, let's do something, you know, it's, it's like all these countries are depending on the other countries around them for certain things to happen. Is Carson doing himself though a disservice when it comes to these debates? He sits there waiting until it's his turn to be called on, never gets called on. And then when he finally does, he he literally looks like he has marbles in his mouth. 
Right. Well, I mean, I think that there are some people who just function that way. I mean, I know, like, you know, from high school, I get called out in class or whatever. I mean, like, I'm also kind of a quiet personality. And, you know, sometimes you just do need to think before you speak. And there are some people who are really skilled at that and end up coming up with intelligent answers, you know, when that happens. But on the debate stage, I mean, like, you know, they're, they're forcing you to think very, very quickly. You know, and as, as president, I mean, obviously you have to think quickly, but, you know, again, it's not a debate. You don't have to think that quickly. But you heard the fruit salad comment. What? Uh, Carson, he mentioned, I, I might have to get the exact quote, but when trying to pick out a possible SCOTUS in the future, that essentially he would look at the fruit salad of their life. Mm-hmm which caused a lot of people to mock it and say that it was absolutely ridiculous for him to say it. I'll see if I can find it. Okay, me. but what, what would happen if Trump said something like that, right? They'd be like, oh, the guy's amazing. I mean, this is a matter of individual, you know, persuasions in the first place. Here, I have, I have the quote right here. Um, what kind of judgments have they made? What kind of associations do they have? That will tell you a lot more than an interview will tell you. The fruit salad of their life is what I would look at. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. And he is okay. getting ridiculed right. for but, the fruit salad comment. Right. And I mean, maybe that's not the best you know, wording for that kind of situation. But look at what all these other people are saying, or especially Trump. You know, like the comment about standing in the middle of New York and shooting somebody. I mean, in another election, everybody that would have raised you know, red flags on everybody. Yeah. And right now, I mean, of course, people are talking about it, but there's nobody who's really saying, like, you know, wow, he thinks he can get away with comments like that. Right. But but as a result, um, even Elle magazine tweeted out, Ben Carson would look at the fruit salad of a person in order to nominate him to the Supreme Court. Yummy, yummy. And then they have a picture of, oh, that, that show that was on Disney with um, the four guys in the various colors showing how to make fruit salad. I don't know. I mean... Yeah. All I can say is I think a lot of this is just, you know, a result of this culture of permitting bullying. Here, if somebody else on Twitter, if Mexico is going to pay for the wall, can they also buy Ben Carson some fruit salad? Mm Mm-hmm. It's... Way out of control. Yeah. Well, it looks to me like a classic bullying situation. So then the... Where where the bully in the room picks on the person who is intelligent um, and, you know, who really has good stuff to say, but, you know, maybe is a little awkward. Well, then the other question is, should we, when voting, consider as if everybody else has dropped out of the race but Rubio, since Rubio is now the GOP darling... When it comes to the Republican movement. What, what do you mean? Well, Rubio, essentially, most Republicans that are giving endorsements, besides maybe two that we've seen so far, are essentially endorsing Rubio and not Trump or any other candidate. Mm-hmm. So essentially, should everybody vote for Rubio? Because there's... People that are saying, if you don't vote for Rubio, you essentially have voted for Trump. I mean, I don't know. I mean, in my opinion of the whole thing, like I said before, you have to be able to look back four years from now, ideally, and be like, I voted for this person. I stand by my decision. Right? I mean, Even if it means Trump wins. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel like there is a lot that can happen, you know, in this time, in other words, voting is not about equations, right? Voting is about your opinion. That's why we vote in this country. It's a question of who do you want to win? You know, so why take the risk of voting in somebody else who maybe you don't want to win so that somebody else won't get in? I mean, obviously, in certain circumstances, you kind of have to do that, right? Like when it comes to the very end and you're electing between, you're choosing between like two or three people. Okay, obviously you kind of have to make those decisions. But right now, it's kind of early enough that, like, I, in my opinion, uh, 
you should really be considering what you stand for as an individual. You should take a sip of water. I know. <laughs> no, well, I mean, we're, we're definitely talking about a lot of different elements, and it's not an easy topic. This isn't our usual fun no, type of show. Not. And I it's, mean, I'm, I don't usually like to talk about politics, honestly. It's just, you know, I, we just felt like watching what's going on, you know, we had to speak up because we don't see anybody else speaking up, and, you know, we're not going to sit here and, you know, tell you to hate this person or hate that person. I mean, we're just telling you, like, honest observations because we've been following this from the very beginning. Do you have any other observations that we should mention that we haven't added yet? Because we have cornered a lot of topics. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we did talk about everything on my list. Um, I think just, you know, again, like, my main message to everybody is to just wake up. You know, make sure you're really, really aware of what's going on, you know, not just looking at it through the eyes of the media, but looking at it through your own individual eyes. You know, is this something that you as a person, you know, can do in good conscience? Right. At the end of the day. Right. Because, I mean, that's what you're going to be looking back on. Yeah. And, you know, if it's a case where, like, you know, for example, in the Holocaust, um, you know, there were people who voted for the Nazi party and didn't really know what was going to happen. And, you know, even Jews and people who were actually affected by the Holocaust, you know, and then they had to live with that on their heads the rest of their lives. Yeah. You know, obviously down the line, they realized that that was a mistake, but you know, who could have known at that point? But I mean, that's why you have to make, you know, as best a decision as you can, because these things are not small potatoes, especially in an era when presidents are possibly trying to take you know, more and more control over the country. Um, you know, it's not really something you can just sit back and ignore. Yeah. You know, and it's like I was saying before, I mean, the Holocaust did happen. This stuff does happen with humans. Um, you know, I don't want history to repeat itself on any level. I don't care if it's the Jews. I don't care if it's Muslims. I don't care if it's, you know, people from Mexico or Chinese. Like, Well, we always say never forget. Always remember. Right. And I mean, I've noticed, you know, unfortunately growing up, um, you know, as I've gotten older, more and more people denying, you know, well, which is Well, really they can scary. because a lot of Holocaust survivors are passing away. Right. There's nobody else to represent them. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that in countries in Europe, you know, from what I've observed firsthand, I mean, people don't really like to talk about this stuff. They're embarrassed about this stuff. So, you know, it then gets buried under the rug. Yeah. You know, and I don't blame them. You know, now, obviously, people who are our age right now, you know, in Europe and Germany were not alive back then. You know, they can't exactly be held responsible for decisions that people made back then. But they still have to live with the guilt of it. Um, and I'm sure that's not easy, but, you know, but, but this stuff is kind of being lost to history. And that's really scary. Well, I hope at the end of the day that we've inspired you to take a closer look at the candidates. And and definitely check out that article I mentioned about Trump and Vanity Fair. You could just Google it. It'll pop up. Right. Because they actually re-released that article. So you right. Because they, they felt that people should really be aware of it. But nobody's talking about it. I mean, I just found it one day because I was trying to understand more and I was, you know, searching online and... I kind of came across it and was like, wow, I, I can't believe nobody's mentioned this. And yet there keeps happening, uh, just things keep coming out of nowhere, and yet no one seems to care. Right, because, I mean, they're, they're publicizing the here and now, and, you know, I mean, not everybody's going to sit and read an article, but I, it's very important to understand what's going on. I have the actual terminology that you need to write into Google. It's the words Trump, Vanity Fair, 1990. Mm -hmm. So when you type that into Google, Trump, Vanity Fair, 1990, you'll find articles including seven takeaways from Vanity Fair's 1990 profile of Donald Trump, along with Donald and Ivana Trump's divorce, the full story, along with another article from The Forward, Mentioning, did Donald Trump keep Hitler's speeches by his bed? Mm -hmm. So a lot to actually take a look at if you're really concerned about where our country is and you want to continue. 
I mean, I'm sure I have plenty more I can say, but how long have we been talking for? I, I don't <laughs> I'm know. I'm getting kind of frazzled. Let me see. Oh, almost an hour. Okay. I mean, I, I have one other thing to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know really what context to discuss this, but, you know, as a woman, like, I've definitely been, you know, kind of offended by things that Trump has said or implied. Um, and, again, I've watched it really get swept under the rug. Megyn Kelly um, you're talking about. I'm talking about Megyn Kelly. I'm talking about other comments, you know, things that you will read if you look at that article in Vanity Fair that we talked about. Um, and it really disgusts me. I mean, again, we're, you know, I always hear people talking about how women are not valued enough in the society. Um, you know, people are always judging women by how they look and not how they are and all that stuff. Um, and I just see this candidate as a continuation of that problem. But he keeps saying, I love you, I love this person, I love women, I love smart people, dumb people, fat people. Well, he can say whatever he wants, but, you know, his actions have to demonstrate that, and based on his past, they don't. Hmm. So, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not, I'm not like, you know, a feminist in the sense that, like, you know, I have to have everybody be like, women are the best and all that stuff, but, you know, I don't necessarily want to be electing somebody who is just proliferating this culture of, you know, women have no value except for, you know, how they look or whatever. You know, women have brains, you know? I feel my wife is the best. Thanks, Avram. You're welcome. I love you. I love you, too. Yay. Should we uh, end on that happy note? I think so. All right. I want to thank everyone for joining us for this special edition of thingsmywifesendsme.com. We hope to be back with our normal, regular scheduled programming. Yes. Sounds about right? I think so. Excellent. Once again, thank you for listening, and good luck on whoever you vote for. Exactly.